Maximize Your Influence is your podcast for the latest persuasion, sales, and negotiation techniques. Our mission is to help you influence on command, anyone, anytime, anywhere. Your host is the author of Persuasion IQ, Laws of Charisma, and the best-selling book, Maximum Influence. Now, your host, Kurt Mortensen. Hello, hello. Good to have you here. Kurt Mortensen. This is Maximize Your Influence Podcast 479. Hey, we're cheering for you. As you create and deliver that perfect persuasive presentation, you're closing sales, you're negotiating better, you're becoming a master of influence and changing lives all at the same time. Let me know about your successes and things you want to hear on the podcast at Kurt, K-R-T at MaximizeYourInfluence.com. So hopefully you're having a great week and achieving those goals. Hey, let's jump into it. We're going to get into proxemics today, that study of personal space. Are you violating it? You're breaking the rules? You're making people feel uncomfortable? Probably. You can use it to your advantage. You can use it to your disadvantage. We're going to take a deep dive on the science of proxemics coming from Edward Hall. But first, let's dive into the article. And it's also a listener email. Oh, boy! Now, remember, when we use your email or joke or content or suggestion on the show, you get the gold version of InfluenceUniversity.com. This was sent to me by Larry in Baton Rouge. He wants to be a little fact or fiction for those that are new to the podcast. That's where we kind of go through someone else's articles or science or studies. Is this a fact? Is it true? Is it fiction? Can we verify it? Is it dated? Has it changed? So let's take a look at it. And this link and everything else will be at MaximizeYourInfluence.com. It's also home of your free Persuasion IQ assessment, reports, and advanced training. So, HumanMindReader.com and Con Kuzbo wrote an article titled, Bad Habits That Make You Less Attractive. <laughs> well, probably all bad habits make you less attractive. Let's take a look at them. Some of them might have the duh factor. First one being a poor hygiene. Well, if you're stinking, you're stuffing your teeth, there's holes in your clothes, whatever it is, maybe all those things don't bother you, but yeah. But for the most part, I would say that is definitely fact. Next one is constant complaining. <laughs> that sucks the life out of people. You don't want to be Aunt Edna. We've talked about her before. Every family has one when they sit next to you at a family gathering and don't even really talk to her, but she sucks the life out of you. Everything's wrong. So pessimistic. We all know that optimistic people live longer, make more money, have more friends, have better relationships. And especially now in the world, let's uh, crank up our optimism just a bit. So definitely fact. Being rude and disrespectful. Another one, yeah. Every time we're rude or disrespectful, unapproachable, standoffish, that could do it. I mean, putting people in a bad mood could affect your attraction. Not getting them to smile or laugh could have effect on attraction. Height has effect on attraction. If you want to do more research on this, it's called the halo effect. Basically, the better looking you are, people think you're smarter, more trustworthy than you actually are. That's why in the judicial system, uglier convicts get longer prison sentences for the same crime than the better looking one. That's why they have you dress nice when you go to court. You don't wear your orange jumpsuit. And that's key. So I want to share both sides to that. Interrupting others, for most people, some people are missing the filter where you have to interrupt to get a word in edgewise. They have no idea that they've been 
taking over the whole conversation. So that will depend on the person. Being self-centered can make you less attractive, but if you're really, really attractive, people a little more forgiving on that. So that's what a little bit of both. And lacking confidence. No, people like confidence. That's fact and fiction here because we like to think we're confident the way we walk in the room, but we're like, uh, arrogant. So that's when you cross the line from attractive to unattractive. So that one has a very fine line we have to be careful of. We have to look at both sides of that one because for most people that I've monitored, they think, oh yeah, I was confident. And the audience said, oh, arrogant. And arrogance is not a good tool for being persuasive and connecting with people and coming across attractive. So there you have it, Larry. There's your fact or fiction there. For the most part, right on. I think we have to look at personality. We have to look at culture and a few other things we'll be talking about with proxemics. Which brings us to our persuasion blunder. Don't, don't, don't. So a group of us went to this restaurant, a very popular restaurant. We had a very outgoing, let's say flamboyant waiter. Now we've talked about waiters and waitresses. I mean, that's a pretty much a commission job. You're working on tips and everything you can do to increase your tips you would think most waiters and waitresses would understand that if you touch somebody in a safe place, that could increase tips. That if you repeat the order back to them, that increases tips. Smile increases tips. Saying that's a good choice can increase tips. There's a lot of things they can do. I'm always surprised how most of them have never been trained, have no idea that these little things can probably double their tips in a night. Salting a tip jar. If you're a bartender or playing a piano, that can make a big difference. So this one, the blunder being maybe they did too much research because they were off the charts way too much. They were violating our space. <laughs> they were touching a little too much. You know the type, you know the personality. And it's not like they're doing it as a mean thing. That was just their style, their personality. Some people aren't about hugging and touching and some people are. And we have these glasses that we wear that we think everybody thinks like us, acts like us, likes what we like. Of course, that goes to the platinum rule where you want to treat people how they want to be treated, not how you want to be treated. And that's why in persuasion, we always teach you persuade people how they want to be persuaded. So way too close, way too much, way too, I'd say even energy level to where, hey, I love the charisma and energy, but when your audience isn't matching that, you should at least start where your audience is and build them up instead of starting way too high. When it's Monday morning and someone's off the chart, excited about the weekend, wants to talk, and you're like, whoa, 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 I haven't even woke up yet. Let me just get ready for the day, then we'll talk. That's the same type of thing. So I would say the blunder, I wouldn't say it really affected the normal tip. It might have affected the high-end tip. So I don't know. I didn't ask. I wasn't in charge of it this time. But it's important. Let's talk about that proxemics, that study of personal space. What are the mistakes? What are the complaints? What is it? What are we talking about here? So proxemics, again, that was coined by Edward T. Hall. He was an anthropologist. Now, an anthropologist, if you don't know, is a social scientist who studies human society, cultures, behavior, and traditions. And his thing was, let's look at spatial relations. Has it changed? And what it is. I mean, he made up the word proxemics. So proxemics is the study of personal space and how people use and manage it in various social settings family settings. And when people violate these proxemics of space, people feel uncomfortable. It's a subconscious trigger. It's, it's awkward. It's weird. They might feel fear 
And that can definitely be a challenge. Now, if you're a fan of Seinfeld like I am, I'll try to find the link here for you. Put it on MaximizeYourInfluence.com. The Close Talker. The whole show is on The Close Talker. And he would probably give you three inches from your face. He had no clue, but of course it bothered everyone else. And it was obvious to everybody else that it was bothering him, but he didn't have that filter to see (laughs) that it was bothering other people. And that's the challenge, is having that filter. Seeing that you're making people feel uncomfortable instead of missing that and driving down the path where you're repelling them, causing resistance, and not being very persuasive or, we talked about before, or very attractive. So Dr. Hall talked about the four areas. There's intimate. Now this is reserved for family members, close friends, spouse, lovers, And thinking about this one, lawyers that are trying to get the information, that are trying to break you, are going to get into your space. They're going to violate proxemics because they want you to feel uncomfortable. So if that's your thing, that's your gig, you're that harsh negotiator, maybe. Then there's thinking one about this too is in sports, they have this. You see people that have bonded on a team, they're always slapping each other in the butt and they're hugging and they're touching and... There's a bond there. I mean, if you've ever been on a tight team, you've you've felt it before. There's a bond. In some reason, everybody can touch everyone else. Can't do it in the workplace, but man, a football butt slap, (laughs) a high five, a touch, a hug, that uh, tends to happen in sports. Then there's the personal space. These are your good friends. These are the ones you think you've connected with, hopefully you've connected with. And they found people that weren't connecting didn't have the relationship with the people, actually take more space. We have to get in this personal space sometime for that handshake. Handshake can connect you with people. Although we do know a bad handshake can send you back one hour and build and rapport. So when you do meet that person, you do want to get into their space. You want to come in for the handshake and move forward, lead in a little bit. It shows that you care. Give the handshake, make the eye contact, smile, and then give them their space back and just kind of see how they react. Then also has two other social public. That's when you're walking down the streets. You need help with directions. We need our space. And this is going to vary by culture. Some cultures like Latin America need less space. When a South America talks to a North American, North American's backing up. Middle East, sometimes they want to feel your breath. They want to hold your hand. They want to be close to you. And there's some places like North America, parts of Asia where, uh-uh, no. But so... We do have cultural issues. We have personality issues. We have, I would say, COVID issues change it for a lot of people to where if somebody coughs or gets too close to the automatic think, I'm getting a disease, I'm getting COVID, I'm getting the COVID. That's just how they are. Now, it could depend on the city you live in. If you lived on a farm, you need more space than in your New York City. A lot of those videos of subways where they're just pushing people in, that's your public space, and you still need your space. And even I was in Vegas the other day at the pool, And there's certain things, etiquette, space, how much space between the chairs, how close you can stand to somebody. There's still these little rules that we pick up along the way. So the reality is, when you look at proxemics, we all want our own space. Even in seminars, these three-day seminars, where people sit that first day, that's their space. And if you go there, you sit there. It's awkward. It's uncomfortable. Sometimes in leadership seminars, I'll say, all right, uh -uh, tomorrow, different seats. Let's get it out comfort zone, but people naturally go to the same seat unless you tell them not to or move the tables around. So we feel uncomfortable when people violate our personal territory. And that's a big complaint. You get persuaders, influencers, salespeople, they get too familiar too fast. 
They show disrespect for their personal space. They think they're getting friendly, but when you're meeting something for the first time, we got to acclimate. We got to get a feel. We've got to connect. We got to build a little rapport before we can open up the space and take up a little less space. Or let me add touch. That could be a violation of proxemics. See, most persuaders don't even know they're violating the audience's space. They think that reaching out, touching, a warm, double-handed, 10-pump handshake's a little too much for some people. I mean, think about this. You're in a movie theater. There's three people there in the whole place, so you're spreading out. And someone sits next to you, a violation of space. Now, if it's packed, that's a little bit different. One man cannot sit next to another man if there's empty seats. That's just how it is. Some call it the urinal effect. Look it up if you need to. <laughs> there's a certain unwritten law there. And this can even come down to who gets the armrest on the airplane, who has the bigger office, a round conference table, square conference table. You know, getting into somebody's face could all help or hurt proxemics. If you're not sure, I've seen great persuaders ask invitation to come to someone's private zone, or they step in, they step out. Or here's the rule with every talk about, when in doubt, mirror them out. <laughs> Meaning... Mirror and match them. What space are they taking? Are they backing up? If you could just be more aware of reading their facial expression, what's going on, that can make a huge difference. Remember, Latin America needs less space than North Americans. Who need less space than, say, Germans? <laughs> it's just how it is. When in doubt, mirror it out. Read them. Step in, step out. Get permission if you need to. That is a key factor. So where do we blow it here? Standing too close. They're feeling uncomfortable. They're feeling anxious. They don't know you very well. Maybe they're not used to the culture. People that are taller, I have to watch out. Sometimes we tend to get in a little too much. For some reason, maybe it's our perception of height. We're standing much closer than we think we are. Remember, this is reserved for close friends, family, romantic partners. That is something you have to be aware of. Another one is touching. Maybe you didn't have permission. Maybe you didn't have consent. That could be a violation of personal space. I mean, there's safe places on arms and shoulders, but it has changed handshakes are pretty universal. Even if it was an accident, you can apologize. You can back up, let them know you're not trying to violate their space. Here's what we don't think about a lot of times, staring or gazing too much. With too much intensity, that could be shown as intrusive and threatening. Sometimes you're just looking around and you're like, oh, they must think I'm staring at you. You didn't even mean to. <laughs> so eye contact is important for communication, but not 100% of the time. When you're looking at someone 100% of the time, you're either angry or falling in love. Just saying... 70% universal. It does depend on culture. Some cultures, strong eye contact is a sign of confidence. Other cultures, it's rude. So wherever you're going, make sure you do a little research and see. No, that's a rude thing. So you're doing it the right way. But again, when in doubt, mirror them out. If they're looking at you 70% of the time, mirror them. If they're looking at you 80-90% of the time and it's a tough negotiation, you want to mirror that back. And next one is not knowing or ignoring cultural norms. Different cultures have different norms for personal space. A gesture in one country can be very rude in another country. Showing the bottom of your feet in the Middle East can, can be considered very rude, but very comfortable in North America. So do your research. When in doubt, ask it out. <laughs> I found that be very beneficial in a lot of countries. Say, is this rude? Is this okay? They appreciate you asking, and they'll tell you. And that is a good thing. I mean, even some cultures to where if you're standing in line and you're trying to be considerate to the person in front of you, they'll, they'll jump in. They'll, they'll, they'll cut right in front of you. Well, that's rude. Well, not to them. You were the dumb one who left the space that minute was open for them to take. 
That was you giving them permission to cut in line to you. That was the rudest thing ever to them. It's like, well, okay, I'll take it. Thanks. And we see it differently. So those are definitely cultural norms. Big one, too, is ignoring the nonverbal cues. They can show discomfort. They need more space. They're backing up. You're probably triggering negative feelings. Another one that uh, people complain about is uh, public places, just overcrowding, public transportation, sitting next to strangers, people sitting too close, people breathing on you. There's still boundaries here. They do shrink in public transportation, and that could even be in the workplace. Here's an interesting complaint, too, is we don't even think about this time, especially men, to where you come into someone's office and you block the exit with your body. You lean against the door, you block the exit, and they can't escape. You didn't mean to be intimidating. You didn't mean to block the exit so they feel trapped, they feel nervous, they feel anxious. But that is a big complaint a lot of times to where if they can't feel like they need to run out, or if you're coming across as intimidating, blocking the doorway like you're going to attack them, for many people that can trigger nerves. Just be aware of that one. Then another one too, you got to be careful of those conversations that are TMI, too much information, too personal, intrusive, too lengthy. It's just uncomfortable. That can cross the line for some people. Even though it's not technically space, it is kind of your space because that's not what you wanted to hear about, talk about, but they are. That could cross the line, make people feel uncomfortable, nervous, tense, cause resistance, things you don't want in the influence process. Another one we're going to add to the list that's just kind of a trend. Was it in uh, previous research, but when you're having loud phone conversations, the music in your car's too loud and vibrating the windows playing videos with sound on your phone, any type of rude, disruptive behavior that is just not appropriate in public can be considered crossing the line, violation of space, something to think about. So it's real. And I would like to say one size fits all, but just when in doubt, mirror mount. And when in doubt, just ask, can I give you a hug? Is this appropriate in your culture? Is this okay in your country? Am I taking too much of your time? <laughs> Are all different ways to make sure if you're not sure that you're not crossing the line. So it's important to be respectful of personal space, boundaries. We're not touching something on somebody's desk. We're not picking up our chair and, and taking it on the other side of the desk. There's certain space. Sitting on a slight angle in a restaurant can be less confrontational. Even when you meet someone for the first time, various things that we can do. So pay attention to the verbal cues, the nonverbal cues. Be mindful of your culture, your surrounding, how you're treating others. That just because you think it's respectful, do they think it's respectful? Then you won't violate this proxemics and create uncomfort and resistance. There you have it. Take something that we talked about. Cramming in the content here, but take at least one or two things. Start applying it. Use it. Be more aware. Are people feeling comfortable around you, uncomfortable? Are you sure? That is something to think about with today's topic. So let me know what you think at Kurt at MaximizeYourInfluence.com. Get everything you need on the website, MaximizeYourInfluence.com. We also have the special week there, backed by popular demand, Millionaire Psychology. The mindset, the self-persuasion, the self-motivation. Here's the secret. You want to be a millionaire or insert your goal here, whatever it is. If you want to be a millionaire, you start thinking, acting, and doing what other millionaires do. Success, wealth is an open book test. All the answers are there. Work on your mindset. Work on your self-persuasion. Because if you can't persuade yourself, you can't persuade other people. I'll put that link under podcast. 
479 at MaximizeYourInfluence.com. So work in your space, quit offending people, watch your touching. All these things can be really good things that can connect and build rapport. Do it the right way. Be more observant and you'll become more influential. Be able to build instant rapport. And of course, you'll be able to persuade with power.